Welcome to the Gifted Life Podcast, where we have conversations about organ, tissue, and eye donation. We certainly appreciate you guys for listening. I'm Lori Steele. I'm Joey Boudreau. I'm Sarah Blakemore. Today on the podcast. Students who advocate for donation. I like it. And food anxiety. Got my attention. All right, that and more coming up right here. Thegiftedlife.org. Hang on to your hats. Here on the Gifted Life Podcast, we are so grateful to welcome Miss Sarah Miller. Hey, Miss Sarah. Hi, how are you? I love how this worked out, guys, because (laughs) Sarah, just a couple of episodes ago, episode 107, who do we talk to, Joe? Sarah's what? Sarah's mom. Your mama. She loves loves you. She's so proud. (laughs) I know. Um, And and she's doing incredible work in her own life. So check out episode 107. Um, And then now we're kind of moving forward to Miss Sarah and her mission to help us save more lives. So thank you so much. Tell us a little bit about who Sarah is now. Thank you for having me. Um, So as you learned a bit uh, in a previous episode, my family is part of a donor family. And my sister was an organ donor around 10 years ago after uh, a horrible tragedy. Um, and, And so I've become really passionate about saving lives through organ donation because of this gift my sister was able to give. Um, And my specific passion is for educating and advocating for organ donation to college and high school students. And so that's why when I was in college, I founded SOTA Student Organ Donation Advocates. I love it. It's like, I just founded this when I was in college. Now I lead the (laughs) national organization. Your family is incredible. All right. So this all started because um, this is kind of your sister's legacy. Tell us your sister's name. My sister was Laura, and she was 14 years old um, when she passed away. But we, like you just mentioned, uh, feel like this is an amazing way for her to live on um, through her organ donation. Now, you were 12 at the time? I was, yep. So what do you remember about Laura, and what do you remember thinking about, I guess, donation at 12? Yeah, so a lot of the, you know, a lot of the details can still be a bit hazy for me. But, you know, Laura was such a kind a kind spirit and such a mentor to me and to my younger sister, Rachel. And, you know, we, we wish we could have seen her grow up and, and see, you know, where she would be now. I always picture her living in New York city, not, not too far away from me. Um, but we've actually had the chance to meet the recipient of Laura's liver. And we you know feel so grateful to have that relationship as well. So I can't imagine how, how challenging it is, you know, of course, as a 12-year-old to lose your, your sister like that. And, and, and not only, you know, of course, you're grieving, uh, your mom's grieving and, and the challenges that, that come with that. And then you see beyond all that. So just a few short years later, you develop soda. So tell us a little bit about that. Sure, absolutely. So from the very beginning, I was able to take my grief and focus on organ donation and this positive message that came from my sister um, passing away. And so, you know, I knew that organ donation was a way for me to channel my my grief. And when I came to college, I wanted to have a way to share my my passion and, and my story that relates to organ donation with a larger audience. And so when I came to college, I, I started talking to people on campus to figure out 
how I could share my story and how I could advocate for donation. And everyone said, you know, Sarah, you should wait till you're a sophomore or junior, even a senior to get started. And only then you can start a campus organization um, to really help mobilize your peers about this cause. But I didn't take that, for, take that as an answer. I wanted to start something uh, right away and I wanted to get going with my passion for organ donation. Um, and so just a few weeks after getting on campus in St. Louis, my freshman year, I found a team of students that would um, that shared my passion for donation and we founded SODA Student Organ Donation Advocates then. Um, and after we existed on Washington University in St. Louis's campus for a few years, we realized that what we were doing struck a chord. And that's when I formed a separate team, uh, mostly made out of WashU students to expand SODA nationwide. So Sarah, what does SODA do? What's y'all's purpose? So, yeah, so our so, so SODA believes that students across the country should be educated about organ donation and should have the opportunity to register if they're interested in doing so. So that's really our core belief to everything we do. Um, and to do so, we have college and high school campus chapters uh, all across the country. And these chapters have two key goals. One is to educate students about organ donation, and the other is to register students as organ donors. And we really think this education and registration, um, these education and registration pieces go hand in hand because um, we, we want people that are educated and knowledgeable registering as organ donors. Okay, did you guys hear this when she was a freshman? Mm -hmm. Yes. Did you just hear that? It, like it was nothing. Like, yeah. sort of. Yeah. I was trying to figure out where my glasses yeah. were. And yes. So, uh, but this I'm is a theme a in this family, though. Yeah, they, <laughs> you guys push forward, and we like that. So you started it, Soda, and then it started to grow. So where are you now with Soda? How many um, students? How many chapters? What you got going? Yeah, absolutely. So as I mentioned, we existed just on WashU and St. Louis's campus for a few years. And about a year or two ago, we started expanding nationwide. And so uh, a year ago today, we had about six chapters across the country. And today we have 18. So you can see from this that we are growing pretty quickly. And it's a really fun and exciting time to be part of this organization. Um, and we're, we're able to work with these passionate students all across the country that have their own connection to organ donation and give them a platform to share their story and to advocate for this this really important cause. All right, so we're in Louisiana. So if there's somebody listening, we have LSU, Xavier, um, all these colleges here. So students listening, um, how do you get started? What do you do? The first thing I would do if you're interested in starting a, a chapter is to go to our website, which is sodanational.org, um, sodanational.org. And from there, you can learn more about how to start a chapter. You can take a quiz to figure out if you're eligible to start a chapter. Once you go to our website, I encourage you to form a team of three students that are, share your passion for donation. We, we really think students are more successful when they're working in a team. And it's also a lot more fun to do, to do uh, organ donation advocacy as part of a group. Um, so find your team of three students and then you submit an application um, on SOTA's website to become a chapter. So I, so I like that. So um, we, we're on campuses and, and we work with these classes. So is it something to do like at, at tailgates uh, in the library? Is it uh, posters that are put up? Like what are what's some of the hardcore things that they are, are pushing out to promote donation? Once students are part of a SOTA chapter, uh, once they get approved by our team, we connect them with their local organ procurement organization. And they do events that are 
relevant and interesting for their community. So our, our college and high school campus chapters do a variety of, host a variety of different events on their campuses, but all of the events fall under two key categories. One is education and one is registration. Um, a lot of our chapters have activities fair booths where they'll recruit students to become part of their chapter. They'll host educational events about different perspectives into organ donation. They'll register students at sporting events or um, plays or other types of events, even sometimes in their cafeterias. Um, and then they'll more generally spread the word about organ donation on their campus. So you started SODA back in 2014. Now you are 23. You're out of college. You're working full time. You're about to relocate to Denver for your full time job. But this is still your your labor of love, right? It, it sure is. I work on SODA uh, outside of my full time job, as you mentioned, in an entirely volunteer capacity. And I'm lucky enough to work with eight or nine other passionate uh, volunteers to help lead our national team. Um, and, and all of us, again, work in a volunteer capacity to help support these students and, and organ procurement organization partners around the country. So have you reached out yet now that you're uh, planning on moving to Denver uh, to Donor Alliance out of, out of uh, Denver, the OPO that services that area? That's a great question. We currently work with, I think it's 16 OPOs across oh. the country, but we don't yet work with Donor Alliance, and so that will have to be next on our list. That'd be great. All right, so Miss Sarah, um, so does impact fill us in? So, as I mentioned earlier, we have 18 chapters across the country. A year ago, we only had six chapters. So, as you can imagine, our impact has increased quite a bit over the past year. Um, this past semester alone, we had more than 350 students register as part of official soda events. And we also helped educate more than 1,000 students about organ donation. So those are just a little bit of, that's just a bit of insight into the impact that we're making. And we expect this impact to only keep increasing as our number of chapters grows over the coming semesters. Um, Sarah, to take it back to you and your family, I know you mentioned that your sister um, was a liver donor. I'm wondering if y'all have ever met her recipient. Yeah, so we've had the unique privilege of getting to know Trish, who was the recipient of my sister's liver. And it's been a particularly inspiring experience for, for my family to meet her. We actually saw her just a few weeks ago um, in upstate New York. And Trish has become a really important part of her family. And we're, we're grateful that she's able to help continue Laura's legacy, um, but also to continue to leave, lead a meaningful life herself. She's a special education teacher. She owns her own gym. And so she's really living you know, living a great life and making a huge impact within her community. Do you ever take a day off? Just ask. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I just got back from, from a few weeks of vacation. So I definitely give myself a break here and there. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love that um, uh, you're putting these students to work. We, too, try to spur those healthy conversations about organ tissue and eye donation. Um, so how has working with SODA um, help other volunteers with their healing that you found? Because you are part of that donor family. You have met the recipient. So are you seeing those connections? Yeah, absolutely. One of the one of the things I love most about SODA is that we're able to provide other passionate students a platform to share their story, to activate that passion that they have so deeply ingrained in them. And one of the students that started a chapter at Quinnipiac University in Connecticut, her name is Nicole, and she's a double lung recipient. 
And I actually had the chance to meet her at Mount Sinai where I currently work. And we did a registration drive together on Mount Sinai's campus to help share, spread the word about organ donation and get more people registered as organ donors. And you know, for, for Nicole, so it has been uh, an incredible way to share her passion and to explain how receiving a double lung transplant was obviously life-changing and life-saving. Um, so meeting people like Nicole is really validation that the work, the work that we're doing matters. And we hear that you have a blog. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, we have a newly released blog. Um, you can find it on our website, sodanational.org. And we're super excited to be able to share stories of our amazing chapter leaders like Nicole. You can actually find a, find a spotlight about her on the blog. Um, I sometimes write letters explaining Soda's strategy and vision. We also provide tips to our chapters. We share spotlights of our national leadership team. Um, so you can get a lot of interesting content on our blog and you can also submit uh, blog posts. So if you have a story to share, we'd love to hear from you. And you can uh, just go to our blog within the website and you can find the form to submit your own blog, blog post there. I love it. You know, we always talk about on the podcast, one person uh, making a difference. Well, Nisera, we're going to give that to you today. You're out there. Uh, this is extra. Um, it is from the heart. It is your passion. And it is amazing. So we thank you so much. You mentioned it a couple of times, sodanational.org. Joey's going to remember it because... That's what we caught. We were drinking a soda. Drinking a pop. soda. Yeah. I grew up. I grew up uh, learning about soda as pop, <laughs> and then it became soda as I got older. <laughs> so soda. Easy to remember. National. So that and it's just spelled out. That's S O D A. Student organ donation advocates. And Sarah, we can't thank you uh, for all you do to help us make life happen. It's been a pleasure to talk to you guys. Thank you so much. Thanks for all you do. This is the Gifted Life Podcast, guys. And at this point, we take a moment for mental health. Yeah, let's just see what Sarah's got in Ooh, store for us today. No pressure. We're going to be talking about a hot topic, food anxiety. Okay? Oh, I get anxious every time I see a pickle or smell a tomato. <laughs> you have some explaining to do, Sarah. <laughs> okay, so let's clarify. None of us are actually registered dietitians. But we all but eat. I, but we all eat. Okay. And I did get a lot of information from a good friend, Amy Davis, who is a registered dietitian. Okay. Thank you, Amy. So let's also go ahead and say when we're talking about food anxiety, what we're talking about is when people experience anxiety over how much they eat, when they eat and if they're eating unhealthy foods. So it's not just when a certain food touches the rest of your food, because that's what <laughs> makes me anxious. Right, I'm more so talking- You like your foods to touch? <laughs> yes, it's that virus, is a whole nother so topic there. Yeah, right. we're not talking about what we like and don't like. <laughs> okay. It's more so about what are the norms in society today based off of beauty and how that can create unhealthy relationships with foods. Okay. Now, we also do live in the South, right. so we like a lot of fried foods. So I don't mm -hmm. want this to be a, uh, we're not preaching here about only eat vegetables. Mm -hmm. I would love to say that. In <laughs> yes, but it, it can be unrealistic for some people's lifestyles. Right. So um, really too, and today there's just so many food options out there and there's so much information about food. So some tips that I got from my friend Amy is number one, a really good way that what you can do while you're eating is to take a deep breath 
and to do check-ins throughout your meals to make sure you stop eating when you're full. Mm-hmm. So do a quick check-in halfway through your meal. Sarah. See how you feel. Sarah. Take a deep breath. I still have I cannot half do of. That. I still have half of my unwitch because I checked in today and I said, yeah. do I really need the rest? And I'm like, I, I can't I let it go to waste. I need the rest of these chips. So I'll make sure I finish <laughs> that and then keep that unwitch the other half of later. You balanced You're it so out. You're so good, Joe. You're so good. <laughs> um, another really good tip to have is to just keep it really simple and um, eat foods that you actually enjoy and just portion control it. Oh, yeah. see. No, yeah, not going to work for me. That's well, it's, <laughs> it's true because, you know, I grew up and, and my mom always taught me, you know, there are starving kids in Ethiopia. Eat, you got to yes. finish eating it. And then yes. so it's ingrained into my head that I've got to finish the plate. So I, I've, as an adult, I realized being a, you know, a 29-year-old <laughs> that I've been for the last so, so <laughs> many, years, many years. 40 years. That, that <laughs> you, know, you can't just do that. I mean, I've got to understand portion control. And that's one of the ways that I try to at least stay somewhat uh, you know, fit and, and energetic and not overdo it is exactly that. When, when, when my mom or when, when, you know, of course we eat a lot of, of, like you mentioned, fried, we eat a lot of rice and gravy, mm-hmm. I knew you were gonna say uh, mm-hmm. which is my favorite, right. my go-to Yummy. and I can't turn it down. Right. right. But the portion control part makes me comfortable with what I'm eating, yeah. you know, and, and, and so I'm not obviously like you yeah. mentioned, anxious Sweets about are my issue. But while I'm eating and it's so good, I'm like, I probably shouldn't be eating, but I don't want to waste it like I'm with Joe. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, well, it's a balance between feeling wasteful and also feeling good in your own body. So what foods make you feel good too? There is always going to be a time when eating a piece of cheesecake is going to make me feel really good. Oh, yeah. But maybe it's so you don't feel so bad about yourself and you don't have those negative internal thoughts about yourself. Only eat it every other day. or And also just don't beat yourself up, up mm-hmm. you guys. Just Well, mine's a treat because I've been doing the track. I've been one mile, two working miles out a little down, bit. working up to three mm-hmm. miles. And then I'm like, oh, I can have one. Yeah, yeah that's exactly yeah. why I work out in the morning. There's no exactly. such, yeah. But in there's the no such thing as a perfect body. It's you want to feel good in your own body. That's important, yes. So eat foods that make you feel good, too, and just don't overdo it every now and then. Yeah, they're on a veggie. They're on a veggie. I had lettuce on my sandwich. There you go. I had an unwitch. <laughs> For those who don't know, an unwitch is when you don't use the bread. You wrap yeah. it in a piece of lettuce. And what did <laughs> so you have today, Miss Sarah? I also had an unwitch. Just so good. It's I so grown it. up. <laughs> All right, maybe you have a topic you'd like Sarah to tackle. Info at thegiftedlife.org. In every episode of The Gifted Life, we honor a hero. Today's hero is Justin Shufflin. And we learn about Justin from his family. He was a handsome young man with bright blue eyes and a smile that would light up a room. He was a great son, daddy, brother, and uncle. He loved knowledge and learning all he could about everything he could. He was a big-hearted person. He would help anyone with anything he could. He was a very healthy young man. He was an electrician, and he was good at what he did. Our lives are so empty without him. I miss him so much every day. His daughter misses her daddy so much, but she understands that he wanted to help others when he passed. We are all very proud of him for being a donor and helping others. We are so proud of Justin. He left this world helping others as he did when he was here. He may not be a hero to most people, but to us, he has always been our hero. So let us pause and say thank you to Justin for the gift of life.
In our Q&A segment, Lori, this one's for you. <gasps> I'm excited. I am a teacher at a high school. How can I share information about organ, tissue, and eye donation with my students? Number one, yes. <laughs> I'm so excited when this happens. First of all, there are community educators across the country who are just Yes, cheering, right? We love when teachers reach out because our goal is to educate, to spur those healthy conversations about organ tissue and eye donation. So in Louisiana, if you want a speaker, for example, um, you can go to our website, lopa.org. You can request a speaker. You can send us an email, info at lopa.org. We try to be as easy as possible to find because we want to partner with you. Maybe you're outside of Louisiana. AOPO is a great website. That's a good tool for you, aopo.org. Um, there is a tab that says about OPOs under that find your OPO, the closest one to you. What you do is pick up the phone and say, I just want to help these students learn a little bit more. How can I help? And then we will partner with you. Do you want a speaker? Do you want someone clinical? Joey, do you travel? Uh, <laughs> he does everywhere. Um, uh, so um, maybe you want to look at graphs and things like that. So we have coach. You guys heard us talk about Coach Swallow mm-hmm. before, uh, a veteran teacher nearing retirement. Uh, but we'll just have a conversation. I have these kids. Uh, they're this age. This is where we are in our lessons, and this is what they know so far. How can you help? And then we partner together. So we're flexible. We work on his time schedule, and we are just so grateful to be invited in. So thank. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Am I excited? I am. I hope that you reach out today. And thank you. <laughs> yeah. What a great question. If you have a question, go ahead and email us at info at thegiftedlife.org. Or you can give us a call at 504-648-3477. Okay, guys, that is episode 119. Thank you so much for listening. We enjoy talking to Sarah. It'll definitely be fun to watch Soda grow and possibly even reach thousands more. That means we're making life happen together as a team, and that's what we talk about. Hopefully it'll spur those healthy conversations about organ tissue and eye donation. Were you inspired to register, guys? Registerme.org. It's a one-stop shop. Also, don't forget thegiftedlife.org. It's an easy way to find us. And listen to us wherever you listen to your podcasts, on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and make sure you give us a five-star rating so others can find us. Whoop, whoop. That's a thank you. All right. On social media, Facebook, we're the Gifted Life Podcast, Twitter, Instagram, Gifted Life Pod, guys. So check those out. And thank you so much. You are part of our team. And we do hope that you go out and do something you wouldn't normally do to help us make life happen. That's what it's all about. Talk to you soon. This is a production of LOPA, or the Louisiana Organ Procurement Agency. The Gifted Life is hosted by Lori Steele, Joey Boudreau, and Sarah Blakemore. Our executive producer is Kirsten Hines. Producer is Shalon Carraway. Intern is Rebecca Ranham. And we are recorded, engineered, and mixed in our Covington, Louisiana studio by Troy Perez. <laughs>